Hey, welcome to Oasis Singles. My name is Pastor Dave, and I'm so excited you're here. By the way, this site is not just about Christian dating service reviews and so forth, but it's also about life advice, all things Christian single. We have articles, we have interactive ways that you can get in touch with each other, and we also have podcasts that are all about the Christian life. I hope you enjoy our site, and I hope you enjoy the podcast you're about to listen to right now. God bless. There's a few models of singleness in the scriptures. Hagar was not only single, she was a single parent. Naomi was married, her husband died, she remained a single for the rest of her life when her husband died early. Paul, the apostle who wrote most of the New Testament, was single. And the greatest role model of all chose not to get married, Jesus. The one who redeemed us chose not to get married. And so... I want to challenge and try to encourage singles in their singleness. I also have a goal in this message to sensitize the church to the uniqueness, the unique blessings of being single. It's not as bad single folk as you might think singleness is. I also want to challenge our church and married folks, I want to challenge people who are married and the church not to look down or speak down to singles. There's an unspoken air and attitude in our culture and community regarding marriage. There's an expectation. Sometimes people say to unmarried women, child, you ain't married by now? We think that women ought to be married by a certain age. Often we remind them that their biological clock is ticking. We make statements and sometimes thoughts even cross your mind that makes you think that you're not complete or whole unless you're married. We say things like, when are you gonna get married? You ain't found the right person yet, so forth and so on. But people are in a single status for lots of reasons. First of all, there's some folks who have never been married, and so they're single. There's some folks who are widowed. They've been married, but they've lost their loved one, their spouse, and so they're in a single status. And then we got some people who are divorced whose spouse has remarried. So if you are divorced and your spouse has remarried, you are single. (laughs) I'll leave the rest of that up for y'all to figure out about those other things. I've been talking about that for the past several weeks, so you can, if you weren't here, you need to get the tapes. But we ought to spend a few moments because oftentimes people look at singleness in a negative light. I think we need to set the record straight for everybody to understand that everybody, it is not the will of God for everybody to be married. Yeah, it's gonna be a long service here today, I can tell. It is not the will of God for every person to get married. 
We might also come to grips with that reality. That is the truth. Everybody's not going to get married. Pastor Jenkins, how can you say that with such confidence and boldness? Here's why I can say it. This, this, just the statistics alone tell us that everybody's not going to get married because for every one man, there's eight women in our community. That statistic alone tells you with eight women for every one man, I know I'm not telling the ladies none that they don't know already know that the pickings are slim. There's already a few number of men and then that's further reduced because there's a huge number of men who are either in jail or can't decide if they want to be a male or a female. So with that in mind, it's not the will of God for everybody to get married. How should you and how ought you to approach your singleness? <laughs> well, Paul says two things, two simple points I got for y'all. Can y'all stay awake for these two points? Here's what he says in verse number seven. I got two simple points. I'm going to let y'all go. Here's the first thing he says. For I wish that all men were even as myself. Verse 7. But each one has his own gift from God. One in this manner and another in that. Listen to what he says. Paul the apostle, the writer of most of the New Testament, who is single himself, writes to the church in Corinth and in essence says to them, I wish that everybody was like me in a mode of singleness. And he says this, here's my first point. He says, but each one has his own gift. The first thing he says about singleness is that it is a gift. It is a gift. Somebody say it's a gift. The problem is that we have not treated singleness as a gift. We have treated it like it's a burden, like it's a pain, like it's a problem. Like there's something wrong with people who are single. But according to Paul, he says that's not the way you ought to approach singleness. You ought to approach it from a perspective is that it is a gift that came from God. God has given to you the gift of singleness. Now it's interesting to me that he uses this Greek word, charisma is the Greek word. It's the Greek word gift. It means a spiritual endowment. It means a gratuity, a tip. It's a tip. When you go to the restaurant and you get serviced and you want to show your gratitude to somebody, you give them a tip. It's the same word. It says, he says that when God gave you a gift, when he gave you singleness, it was a tip. He says, I'm going to give you something extra. I'm not going to charge you anything for it. I'm going to give you a gratuity. I'm going to tip you. Now that's a, see, y'all can't even get that in your head. Y'all can't, you can't wrap your mind around that, that when God put you in a posture of singleness, he gave it to you, has a benefit to you. It is the same word that is used in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, when it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's the same Greek word. He says it is a gift. It is something freely that God gave to you that is to your benefit. Singleness is a gift. You treat a gift, you ought to treat a gift like with love. You ought to accept it. You ought to embrace it. You ought to be grateful for it. You ought to thank God that he thought enough of you that he trusted you with the gift of singleness because everybody can't handle singleness. It's not a curse. It's not a sign of rejection. 
is not a burden, it's a gift. As a matter of fact, the divine sovereign God that we serve gave this special gift to you and it is especially for you. Listen to what the text says again. For he says, for I wish that all men were even as myself, but each one has God has, but each one has his own gift from God. Each one has his own gift from God. It is not only a gift, but it is a gift from God. And look at what it says. Each one has his own gift. God gave you this gift. He gave it especially and specifically for you. Now, why did he give you this gift? Many reasons he probably gave you the gift. Maybe he gave you the gift of singleness because marriage might have been too traumatic for you. It might have been too dramatic and too traumatic. It might have been both. Maybe he gave you the gift of singleness because marriage may have hindered you from advancing his kingdom. He gave you the gift of singleness because he saw that you could better advance his kingdom in a status of singleness than you could in a status of being married. Such enthusiasm over this dynamic message. Let's be clear, it comes from God. Paul makes a strong statement. He says, it came from God. It didn't come from Satan. The devil didn't, didn't, didn't make something happen so you couldn't get married. You need to look at it that God gave me this gift and put me in a posture of, of singleness, and it's a gift from God, and I ought to embrace it and thank God for it. The reality of the fact is y'all look at your singleness as a burden, as a pain. You look at it, there's something's wrong with you. Listen, I'm praying that God gets you to a posture instead of complaining because homie walked away from you, homeboy rejected you. Instead of you looking at it in that light, I pray that God puts you in a posture that you can look back and when you see homeboy next time, you'll be able to say, hey, thank you, Jesus. You may not be there today, but I'm praying that God gets you there. So when you see the situation, yeah, hey, hey, whoo, glory, hey, hey. I could have been hooked up with that. I could have been in that drama. That, that could have been my life story. That, that could have been my reality show that I was living. But you'll be able to be in a spot of saying, embracing God and thanking God that he's ushered and giving you, has given to you the marvelous and wonderful gift that comes from God of singleness. I knew y'all would shout on that point, so since y'all didn't, look at what he says in verse 8. Here's the second thing he says, but I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. Here's the second thing he says about singleness. He says it's good. Number one, he says it's a gift. Number two, he says it's good. It's a good thing. I only got two points. This is it right here. This, it don't get no better than this. This is it. He says it's good. Now, I know you can't see it as good. You don't ponder it as good. You don't believe it as good. But this, this word good means it's beautiful. Be beautiful. <laughs> Go on, Pastor. Beautiful. It's valuable. It's virtuous. He says, in essence, the Apostle Paul, the man who had a walk with God, relationship with God, insight about God, who wrote most of the New Testament, who understand deep theological things, writes to us that being single is good. He says, it's good for you to remain even like I am, for you to remain in a single status. He, in essence, saying to us, there's nothing wrong, nothing bad 
about being single. Listen to him as he expounds on singleness. Look at verse number, matter of fact, in verses 25 through 40, he expounds on the goodness of singleness. What are the good things about singleness? Look at verse 25. Look at what he says as he expounds on it. He says, now concerning virgins. Y'all know what that is? I know you haven't seen one in a long time. But every now and then, one of them shows up somewhere in the camp. I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. He says, I don't have a commandment from God about it, but he says, I'm going to give you some insight that God has given to me, and I'm speaking as somebody whom God has deemed trustworthy. I suppose that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for man to remain as he is. Do y'all see that? He says, I suppose that, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. He said, I'm not trying to talk you out of leaving your marriage, but if you are loose from a wife, don't look for one. He said, I want you to hear what I'm saying. If you're married, don't leave, but if you ain't married, don't try to get into it. Verse 28, but even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. Listen to what he says. If you do get married, listen here, here's a secret that Paul lets out the bag that us married people won't tell you. Us married people, the married folk won't tell you this, but here's the secret that all married folk know that they won't confess it to you. When you get married, it's trouble. More people want to say amen, but they're scared because their spouse is sitting next to them. Now, there's some married people sitting next to you. They want to say amen, but they're afraid if they say amen and clap too loud, when they get back to their car, their spouse is going to look at them and say, oh, what was you up there clapping about? But they know what I'm saying is the truth. Marriage is trouble. Two different people raised in two different families, viewing life from two different perspectives, living with two different sets of habits, two different sets of histories, two different headed in two directions, talking two different emotional languages, two different minds, two different goals. It's trouble, trouble, trouble with a T, and I rhymes with P. T R. I'm talking about trouble. It's trouble. If you, we didn't know it, but when, before we got married, we were so excited about marriage. We were so thrilled. We were getting married. We passed out invitations. We, married, we invited people to our wedding. We were excited. Nobody told us it was drama. Nobody told us it's pain. It's tears. It's anxiety. It's frustration. It's arguments. It's fighting. It's debates. It's Money that you don't know where it went. Trouble. <laughs> married people want to say amen loudly so bad. He says in verse number 35, slide down. You know what? Let me look, go to verse 32. I'm going down too far. Look at verse 32. But I want you to be without care. Listen to what he said. I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried 
cared for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. Do y'all see that? When you get married, you now got to be concerned about your spouse. You just can't come home when you want to. You can't stay out all night no more. Come on, talk to me for a second. That's not how it rolls. We're a missionary church, missions church. We send people on missions fields all the time, send people around the country to preach the gospel and share and pour into people's lives. When you're single, you can hear us talk about the mission trip and say, hey, I think I want to do that. But when you marry, you say, that sounds good. I got to go home and ask my spouse for permission. You got to go home and see what mama going to say about it first. What well, daddy's going to say, you just don't have the freedom to do and go like you please. So when, you, when you're single, you care for the things of God. You can focus on the things of God. When you are married, you have to care for your spouse. You got to uh, look at verse 35. Well, let me look at verse 34. There is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Verse 35, and this I say to your own, and this I say for your own profit, not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, and that you may serve the Lord without distractions. So here's some key words that says when you get married, there's trouble and there's distractions. Now, again, you're not going to hear married folks telling you this, but I'm going to let you in on the secret. It is trouble and distractions. You got to be concerned and you got to become interested in the stuff that your spouse is interested in, even though you have no interest in it. I wasn't interested in watching TV shows about houses and furniture and decorating and curtain rods and colors of carpet and walls but my wife got me interested in the house and home and gardening channel so I had to I had to become interested in that so I had to learn how to adjust my interest to get interested in something she's interested in so that's what I did the other day this week uh, I came home from work heaven worked a hard day I do work hard y'all don't know I'm a hard-working man so my wife knew how hard my day had been I had been at work all day it was a long day and so when I got home she had set the room up for my relaxation go on first lady When I got in the house, she had some candle lights lit on in the bedroom. <laughs> I walked in the room, I said, hey, hey, hey! <laughs> so uh, she had the music playing. I said, oh my Lord, Jesus. I said, Jesus, glory. <laughs> so we climbed up in the bed. And she said, oh, no, honey. I just set the mood because I wanted you to relax.
<laughs> I said, I thought we were about to relax. She said, no, no, baby, no, no. I got this. I, I, I said this because I want you to relax. So she had some classical music on. I can't stand classical music. was a radio she, she she has this classical radio station that she likes to listen to I can't stand it but she loves it and so she wanted me to relax she said it's gonna calm you down I'm not trying to get calmed down at the moment I'm trying I'm trying not to be calmed down So then, you know, the, the music went off. I said, praise the Lord, and then it's gone. So then the man came on the radio. You've just been listening to Richard Bronsky's fifth concerto on the third degree. Shut up, I wanted to tell the man. Here's the point. <laughs> I didn't say shut up. I wanted to say shut up. But I sat there being the good man that I am and listened to classical music. When you're married, you have to start expressing an interest in stuff that you're not interested in. See, if I was single, I could just come on in and pop in some Temptations and I wouldn't have to worry about it. I could come in and put in some Kirk Franklin or put in some Fred Hammond or listen to whatever I wanted to listen to. But no, 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 no. I'm married and so I have to be concerned about the cares of my spouse. You single people better thank God for your freedom that you have right now. As a matter of fact, verse 38 says this. I'm almost finished. I'm bringing my plane in for land. It's a short message. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. He says, if you're in a single posture, it's better. Somebody say better. God called you to a posture and to a status of singleness because it's better for you. It may not seem like it. I know the other man's grass looks greener, but they, they, it looks green until you get on their side of the a street and you realize that it's not as green as it appears. Somewhere down along the line, we have bought a bill of goods that have told us that we are incomplete unless we are married. Let's be clear. You don't get married to become complete.
what makes you complete or whole or whatever you want to say because you said you said you're looking for your other half no 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 you, you you don't you're not a half person you're not looking for another half of a person amen you are in Christ you become whole when you get in Jesus and Jesus comes in you he's the missing link that makes you whole no other human being can fulfill you or make you satisfied if if listen if you're thinking here's where the problem comes some people get married thinking that this other person will all of a sudden make them feel complete and that's where the, the drama and the trouble occurs because you thought this person was going to make you happy and the reality is after you've been married to them for a few hours you soon discover <laughs> come on y'all say amen y'all know I'm telling the truth where the married people that they know I'm telling truth it doesn't take you long before you realize that this is a nice person but this person is not going to fulfill you somebody said well pastor I get lonely sometimes listen to me listen to me listen listen did I say listen listen this is very important God gave us a range of emotions and the emotions that you feel are a signal to you that something is wrong so when you have anger jealousy envy those are emotional signals to tell you that there's something wrong in your heart that's why God gave you those emotions when you get lonely it's a signal what does that signal mean when you get lonely it doesn't mean for you to go out and find somebody loneliness means that that's God's signal of telling you he wants to spend some time with you that's what that emotion is about that's what loneliness means that God is saying trying to tell you through these emotions that there he wants to fill up the cup of with his glory and with his presence and let me tell you something if you don't learn how to fill up the cup of, of your loneliness with the presence of God you can marry five people they still ain't gonna satisfy you that's why people go from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship thinking that a person is going to satisfy them. No person can fulfill you and make you be satisfied. That only comes from a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Down and teach and preach, Pastor. They ain't going to say nothing. I believe that when God sees that you can better advance his kingdom in a marital status than a single status, then that's when he brings you to a posture of marriage. But if he does not see that you can further advance his kingdom better in a marital status than in a single status, if he sees that as a single, you can do more for his kingdom than you would as a married person, he will call you to singleness. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching better than you're saying amen. Go ahead, tell him that. So what am I saying to the single people? Here's what I'm saying in no uncertain terms, with clarity and with specificity. Go on, Pastor, specificity. Stop moping and complaining about your posture in life. It's, it's a gift from God, and it's good. It's good for you. It's good that you have the ability to serve God undistracted unfettered with nobody to answer to you have the ability to serve God in a de in a delight and in a way that married people cannot that was such a rousing applause when it's all said and done 
when it's all over, one day all of us will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the question that he will raise is what have we done for his kingdom? And for, to the single people, I want to encourage you, there's not a thing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not rejected. You're not a half a person. You're whole and complete. And the call of God is for you to serve him with such passion and such fervor and such energy and such servanthood that guess what? Listen, wait a minute. Don't clap yet. Wait till I finish my dynamic statement first. <laughs> that he wants you to serve him with such love and passion and fervor that it's going to take his clear voice coming to you you're going to have to hear him. You're going to have to see an angel come at the door and walk in your room. You're going to have to have a vision to talk you out of your singleness. Y'all stop rushing into these marriages. Stop jumping up and deciding. Let's run on down to the justice of the peace and get married. No, no, no. Marriage is too serious of a dilemma for you to do that. Don't get married just because you messed up and got pregnant. The marriage, pregnancy is no reason to get married. Don't get married just because you got pregnant. Because you got pregnant and getting married ain't going to make it right. It's going to probably make it worse because if you didn't have self-control with the person before you got married, y'all not going to have self-control after you got married. Go on, Pastor. They don't, don't want to say amen. Get enthralled with the Lord Jesus Christ. Be passionate about him. Love him because there are benefits to being single. It's a gift from God. And it's we hope that you have been blessed by this message from Pastor Jenkins. If you're unsaved or have fallen away from your relationship with Jesus Christ, you just have to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart right now that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and rose again with all power. Your sins are now forgiven, and you're part of the family of God. Welcome. Maybe you're already saved and in need of a church home, one that will nurture your growth and development as a Christian. Or perhaps you were once in fellowship with God, but have since drifted away and are ready to return to your first love. Whatever the case, we'd love to have you become a part of the First Baptist family. Simply contact us at 301-773-3600 or visit our website at www.fbcglenarden.org for information on any of our convenient services or 100 plus ministries designed to meet your most intimate needs. Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr., First Baptist Church of Glenarden. We are developing dynamic disciples.